Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm co-host Nick Preciado and editor at San Jose Spotlight. I'll be speaking with two of my colleagues today. What about Politibeat? Politibeat was San Jose Spotlight's first all-day political festival held last Saturday, June 10th, and it was also a fundraiser for our nonprofit newsroom. The whole Spotlight crew and more than 150 attendees spent most of the day at Hammer Theater in downtown San Jose. We spoke with and heard from more than 30 local, state, and federal leaders in government, education, media, and sports about issues and obstacles affecting San Jose and Silicon Valley. Joining me to talk more about the festival are San Jose Spotlight Managing Editor, Ali Bordas, and Senior Reporter and Podlight Co-Host, Joseph Jiha. Welcome to the show, you two. Thanks for having us, Nick. Yeah, thank you, Nick. So I'll ask both of you about your individual panels in a minute. But first, I just wanted to ask your overall impressions and takeaways from the festival. What stood out to you? So for me, this is what really encapsulates what it means to be a part of a nonprofit newsroom community. In other typical newsrooms, you can see a pretty wide divide between editors, reporters, even upper management staff and the community. But what Politibeat did was really bring together community members with media representatives, and also with leaders in our community that are out there doing the work that our residents rely on them on. So for me, it was really inspiring to see both our team be connected to our residents in an entirely new barrier-breaking way, and also to have our leaders come in and really mingle with residents too in a way that they don't always have access to. Yeah, I think for for me, and uh, I, I'd echo Ali's comments there about the just the connection uh, that was made, you know, and the opportunity that that offers. So I, I'd really echo her comments. But also, I think what was on um, display for me the most was just the passion of everybody kind of involved, from um, staff like editors and reporters of of the of San Jose Spotlight, as well as participants like the panelists and the people who came. So like obviously. You know, we had leaders in sports, media, business, government, et cetera, politics, all there. And while I expected those people to be knowledgeable and to be able to share some of their ideas and thoughts with our audience, um, what really came through was the passion and the collegiality, right? These are people who are really working every day for San Jose, Silicon Valley, and the South Bay to make it better for residents, visitors, businesses. And, And it just came through in a really clear way how much they care. And so I think that really translates into a great experience for everyone who participated. And then and then also just on the other side, um, our visitors, right? People who got up early on a Saturday morning, paid money and gave their time and attention to come listen and learn and engage um, on some of these really important topics, I think just shows the importance of these kinds of events, right? It's our inaugural one. I'm sure we'll be doing more, but certainly Spotlight has already kind of paved the way in a lot of areas for community connection like Ali was talking about. So I thought this was just like a a higher level of that, taking it to the next step of bringing people together. Hmm. Thanks, both of you. So uh, I'd like to ask about the individual panels now. So Ali, you hosted the Congressional Report. Uh, You talked with Federal Representatives Anna Eshoo, Jimmy Panetta, Zoe Lofgren. What was that like and what was notable in that discussion? First, I'd say it was an honor getting to moderate that panel and getting to connect with leaders that have really paved the way on a lot of different issues, ranging from gender disparities in the workplace to healthcare initiatives, and also in the case of uh, Congress member Panetta, 
it is really about connecting with community in a very down-to-earth way. So it was an honor getting to just host that panel to begin with and then getting to hear what they're doing daily on such a high level that really connects back to community, right? Because at the end of the day, they are representatives, elected representatives for their community to do that work. The biggest takeaways for me in those conversations were, again, what we hear so often, but I think it's you know, it's a point that was reminded to us in a very, in a much more intimate way in connecting with community is the importance of getting out to vote, is the importance in being civically engaged and understanding the nuances of different policies and budgetary items in your community in order to make those informed decisions. That's like the work that our reporters do at San Jose Spotlight is really working to get entrenched in our communities and break down those complex political issues so that we can encourage folks to be more civically engaged. And that was what they were doing essentially too in our panel was really hoping to re-inspire people who in previous years may have lost faith in the political system, may have grown to even distrust politicians and leaderships even more. Their goal and in the way they were presenting their cases and their different platforms during the panel was to really find ways to heal, to inspire, and to provide new hope into our democratic process and to remind constituents that they are out there every single day listening and putting forth their concerns to leaders and really reaching across the aisle to, to build those new relationships despite a lot of animosity that's presented on media. So for me, those were some of the bigger takeaways. And also it was really great to see their passion on full display, hearing it in their voice, seeing it in their faces in a way that you don't really get to you don't really get to feel that impact when reading a press release from them or uh, seeing a quick quote from them in an article. So actually getting to see their facial expressions, hear their voice, see their passion in their local community, I thought was really special. Now, Joseph, you hosted the Business of Sports panel where you talked to leaders from the Sharks, uh, 49ers, Earthquakes, people like Zaline Jen Mohammed, who's helping bring the World Cup and Super Bowl to the South Bay. What was that uh, panel like and what came out of there? Yeah, well, first, I'd like to just jump back to what Ali said. I mean, as a as an audience member uh, listening to her talk with Congress members, um, honestly, I would just, again, want to dovetail off what she said, that the the expression that we were able to see in here was really important for me, um, even as a journalist who sometimes gets to talk to these folks on the phone uh, or occasionally in person, right, depending on the circumstances, it's it's really interesting to see what really matters to them. And it comes through much more clearly. So I think that was kind of a through line for a lot of the panels, right? As you can, you can really kind of get a much better feel for what people really care about. But as far as the sports panel, I was really thrilled to do this. Um, it was an interesting and a, and a novel idea, I think for a panel, I think things like the world cup obviously are huge international events that really that the scope can't be un, uh, overstated um, in terms of reach and the the Super Bowl a huge American phenomena and worldwide too and just I would say that so many people locally are probably really jazzed about the idea that these are coming to the South Bay and and even if they're years off I think there's a palpable energy around that but the but the, the Venn diagram, if you will, of people who hear about this, that it's coming and get excited about it versus the people who actually understand how these things come to be and come to fruition, I think there's very little crossover. And this this was expanding that lens or expanding that diagram, I guess, to to get more people in, an, in a place of understanding about how these 
major opportunities with theoretically very major economic potential benefits for the area, how these things come to our to the Silicon Valley region, to San Jose, to Santa Clara, et cetera. And so I, I was just really learning and absorbing as much as I could. And I hope that our audience was too, in terms of listening to these folks whose daily job is to go recruit for these big events, but also for smaller and medium-sized events, ones with less attention perhaps from the national media, like women's gymnastics, which has been a a feature and a staple at the SAP Center for years. Um, You know, there's all these different events that help create kind of a tapestry of of sports and entertainment vibe in San Jose and the South Bay. And I think um, these people are really able to kind of show and tell a little bit uh, about the work that they do. I also thought it was very interesting, which we noted in an article uh, that kind of recapped PolitiBeat, uh, that the Sharks president, Jonathan Becker, um, you know, we asked him just kind of straight up, are you leaving San Jose? Are you going to plan to leave San Jose anytime soon? Um, Especially with all this development from Google, these plans in the works that may be on pause right now that kind of caused some concern for their organization around parking, stadium access, fan experience. And, you know, he actually said, good news, bad news, Google is on hold. And that was kind of interesting because most folks in the in the San Jose, um, Silicon Valley region are looking to that Google project, that downtown West project that's in the works um, uh, as a very, you know, necessary and positive uh, piece of change and development for the city uh, and for the whole region. Um, but to hear a sports perspective on it, if you run the stadium and your, te- your team rents and runs the stadium right next door to all that, you might think a little differently. So I think um, to see how all these plans are going to unfold and affect each other uh, and affect the existing landscape in the South Bay is going to be interesting. I honestly think all of the panels were so incredible and so inspiring, but I think people really took to specifically the sports panel just because we don't often get to hear from all of those leaders in one place. It was very unique in that way. And so people were really excited by it. And I think that that is something that has been core to San Jose and wider Santa Clara County for a long time, despite the pandemic, despite everything that our city and county kind of face. Sports are always going to be that through line passion that are there for people amid those, you know, more positive times or difficult times. So it was really exciting, I think, and reinvigorating for our community to hear from those leaders specifically. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, Josh Bruce here, co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. Did you know that San Jose Spotlight is Silicon Valley's only nonprofit news organization? That's right. Our impact journalism is funded by generous readers like you. And this year, we have plans to expand our reporting to other cities in Santa Clara County. If you find value in our reporting, consider becoming a sustaining member today with a monthly or annual recurring donation by visiting our website, SanJoseSpotlight.com. Thank you. As you walk around the neighborhood, you may have noticed that yards have evolved with less grass and more native plants. How is your yard looking? Are you ready to replace your water-thirsty lawn and create a modern and beautiful water-efficient landscape? If you live in Santa Clara County, Valley Waters rebates can help you pay to upgrade. Visit watersavings.org today to evolve your yard. Now, there was also a panel on uh, the state of downtown San Jose that was hosted by our editorial advisor, Marie Milo. Uh, several stakeholders took part in that, uh, such as developer Gary Dillabo, downtown city council member Omar Torres, 
Francis Wong of Team uh, San Jose, a couple others. After listening to that panel, how do you feel about where downtown is headed? I think we hear a lot about, you know, it has a homelessness problem. It has a problem with blight and vacant storefronts. But as you can see in places like San Pedro Square Market and other little pockets where businesses are sprouting up, it's not uh, all doom and gloom. And as I think some would lead you to believe. So uh, what are your thoughts on where downtown is headed after that panel? Uh, Joseph, let's start with you. Well, thanks, Nick. I think um, I think that panel offered kind of a variety of perspectives, right? You had all of these, you know, you had Omar Torres from the government perspective, but also he's certainly a cheerleader, right, for his district and for the for the downtown area. But you also had these business interests as well. And we heard a couple of comments to the effect of, you know, we really need to combat, uh, San Jose needs to combat the idea of blight and of a horrible downtown that's filled with homeless people who are accosting folks on a day-to-day basis. But we also heard that there's real stories, real anecdotes of people who are feeling uncomfortable and unsafe in some of these spaces. And so the, the general question that I think everyone's driving toward is how do we make downtown San Jose, a place for everyone, for people of mixed incomes, for people of mixed backgrounds and ethnicities and and different uh, places of the globe, but also, you know, people who are not just millionaires and, and 100,000 heirs per year making, you know, Silicon Valley salaries, but other people who are service workers and people who are middle income people, you know, uh, in a variety of industri- industries. But I think what we heard from Omar Torres really hit it on the head, Councilmember Omar Torres, who said, you know, these things are happening. So we do have to acknowledge them. So certainly we should, you know, certainly the city should indeed work to ensure its reputation isn't being unfairly tarnished and that, you know, we should promote the area like this is what good and big cities do. It's it's a part of the process. But there also needs to be a reckoning and a realization of the problems that we have yet to solve and that some of them are very sticky problems, right? Problems that have yet to be fixed, even though there have been a variety of solutions. So I think I think the energy is there. That's what I took away from the panel. But I think there are still many questions to be answered. And I don't know if, you know, the best people that we have on the job right now, so to speak, of like, you know, a sampling of which we had on our panel have all the answers right now, but they are willing to try some things. And I think that's probably going to be the important step going forward. What about you, Allie? What are your thoughts? It was really exciting to listen to that panel because as an editor, I see these names come through all day, every day, what they're saying, how much they're working in the community. So again, to actually see them in person and to hear them in live format about what they're doing daily to address sometimes a a ghost town experience, especially midweek, or how do we retain people to come here as opposed to just visit briefly and then go actually stay in hotels outside of San Jose. So what was really fascinating was to hear that there is a really strong marketing plan that's being done in order to do just that, right? To have big keynote speakers, to have landmark names, to have musicians and bands and uh, athletes and, and other leaders in these different industries to want to stay in San Jose because they feel connected to what San Jose is. And that opened the door for a broader discussion during this panel, which is, what is San Jose? What is kind of the tagline or what is the, you know, the hashtag or the social media slogan or even what do people think of when they think of San Jose as another Bay Area city? You know, I think it's very easy for those of us that are familiar with Northern California to quickly know what it means to visit Berkeley or Oakland or San Francisco or even uh, some areas in the North Bay. But San Jose is, interestingly enough, and also according to the people on their panel, still trying to find a very strong identity to really express itself 
across California and outside of California to visitors who are coming there. It doesn't want to be seen as a sleepy stopover city or a city that doesn't have a personality. And so it was interesting to hear that there are so many individuals, many of which were on the panel, like we were saying, that are working to also help brand San Jose and define its personality and identity by not just talking to the the developers or the more wealthy, iconic leaders in the community, but actually going out to the different neighborhoods and different parts of San Jose to see what they think of it too. So that for me is something I'm excited to see unfold now that it seems that there's a huge concerted push to really define what it means to be San Jose. Yes. And, you know, I think you really touched on something there with um, what people think of when they think of uh, the Bay Area with this uh, art, culture, food. I think San Jose maybe historically has been seen as more of a place of business, a place, uh, you know, it's called, sometimes we even refer to it as, you know, the heart of Silicon Valley. And it seems like the panelists really want to get away from that business branding. At least that's, that's how it seemed like to me and really push more on, hey, we have food here too. We have artists here too. We have something to offer just like Oakland and San Francisco and Berkeley that is a unique part of the Bay. It's the South Bay, something that uh, you know, the East Bay and, and uh, even parts of the North Bay all have kind of a distinct culture. The South Bay has that too. And I think they're really trying to put that more on display. Now, our final panel featured Soledad O'Brien, a renowned television journalist. I'd like to get both of your thoughts on hearing from a leader in our industry. Yeah, if if, uh, if you don't mind, I'll lead out on that one. I just, I would say that um, listening to Soledad was inspiring. I think uh, she's been around the block several times. She's She started in local TV media in the Bay Area. She's worked her way up. She is seen firsthand, uh, as she described to us in great and harrowing detail, some of the very frank conversations that are just, you know, in her experience in the industry, seeing racism, sexism, you know, money first, uh, audience later. These are the themes I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but these were the themes that she she called out um, along her journey in media. And, you know, she's gotten to a place of great success where she's able to call the shots and she has her own show and a staff um, and production crew that she really admires. And she was very clear about their goals for their work. And I thought that's really great. Like, it's very admirable uh, to see someone kind of stick it out and and get to uh, a place where they can really, um, you know, use their knowledge and expertise to show and do work that is important to them and to their audience that they can that they can prove out is an important storytelling uh, piece. But what I what I really took away from it as a journalist and as somebody who's who's deeply in love with local news, right, and producing it and and working on it and trying to make it better every day, uh, was the idea of trustworthiness, which she called out very clearly, um, and she she made no bones about stating how difficult it is to build trust and how it's not something that can happen overnight and that there are a lot of media organizations and probably some that I've been a part of uh, that say, you know, we're here, we're doing this. Why don't you trust us yet? Like, come to us. We'll, we'll tell your story for you or we'll help you tell your story. And it's, um, it, it is something that is built over time. There really is no substitute for being in a community consistently, for building trust through telling accurate stories with heart and compassion and with detail. And then as she noted, something really important is, you know, admitting when you're wrong. If you've got something wrong, if you handled something with less grace than you should have, if you if you had a, a, a tinge to your angle that maybe you didn't mean to be interpreted one way, but was taken unfairly or taken uh, negatively by the community, well, then you need to own up to that and, and commit in real time to um, making things better, making things right. And over the years, that is how trust is built in media with communities. Um, but I, I think, you know, 
I think it was a nice sobering reminder of how difficult this work can be um, in terms of trying to build trust with the community and get access to the stories that really need to be told. For me, listening to her speak and, and getting to hear her on that stage and actually be in the room and not just hear it on a podcast or watching it via YouTube or something else, it was really special for me personally because I am first-generation Cuban-American. I am someone who has come from immigrant family. I've watched struggles in a different way, and that's really formulated the way I choose to be a storyteller. So for me, that was an amazing opportunity to to connect with somebody beyond just being a journalist, but to also have a similar lived experience and a similar reason why we got into journalism. Because to follow up with that, so much of the bulk of her work is actually not sitting with high profile politicians, high profile leaders, tech leaders, global leaders, and conducting those interviews from that angle. The bulk of her work is community based journalism. And for me, that is the reason I got into journalism was to, you know, how we say so much voice for the voiceless, be a voice for community members that don't have anywhere else they feel like they could turn to hopefully gain accountability or have their stories heard. And that is what she chooses to do with her large platform. She shared about how she's made a very conscious decision. That's how she wants to be a journalist, is to be down with the community members across the United States and internationally, going to those neighborhoods. When she went to report at the border, it wasn't to interview the leaders or U.S. politicians that were there or even leaders on the other side of the border. It was there to actually be with the people at the border who were crossing the border to go to work because it was cheaper to live on one side versus the other. I mean, it's those very unique stories that sometimes go undervalued because they don't have a big marquee name attached to it. But that is what she chooses to do as a journalist. And that for me was really humbling and exciting to hear that she uses such a large platform and a base that she's built still to get out the community stories in a way that a lot of news organizations maybe don't prioritize as much or maybe don't have the time to integrate in their daily strategy because they're just trying to keep pace with the news. But she consciously chooses to do that. And that for me was really exciting. And it's also something that we try to do here too, right, is to include those community voices amid all of our leaders touting these great changes or these great new policies. It's a reminder as a journalist that what these leaders do in our communities, the things that they say they're going to do, directly affect our community members. And we have to remember to obtain those voices as well. Thank you, both of you. Uh, Last question here. Now, the plan is to make PolitiBeat an annual event, I believe an annual summer event. What kind of panels or speakers would you like to see next year? I I know I think something that was missing this year that I would like to see uh, is a transportation panel. I think we have VTA, we have BART, we have Deardon Station right there, we have Caltrain. I think it would definitely be worth exploring um, where that's going, as well as um, in light of the move to reduce parking spaces and new developments in San Jose, I think that... uh, that has a lot of uh, exploration to be done about what's going to happen with all these cars, uh, especially being such a car-centric city. Yeah, I think for me, it really harkens back to almost what I was sharing about getting to see Soledad and, and hear her her approach to journalism and community journalism. I would really love to see community integration into this. So I would like to see leaders from our different communities, from the arts and culture communities, leaders in that in that realm. I would love to see potentially bilingual panelists as well. We have, obviously, we say this all the time in our coverage, and it's known to so many people who live in and around San Jose, our Vietnamese community really having a panel that potentially potentially focuses on leaders and representatives from that community intermixed with community members that could talk about the issues facing those communities or even uh, victories that they've had or, or new initiatives that they're doing to, to integrate more into, into our communities. I would love to see, um, we, we have a lot of great uh, 
Black community members that come to us and say how much in recent years the Black community has shifted in San Jose and Santa Clara County. I think almost like a, a state of our African-American community panel could be really fascinating as, as we see so much of those numbers shift and change due to gentrification or industry or just post-pandemic where our communities have now ended up shifting in and out of different parts of our county. So for me, I really was inspired, obviously, by what Soledad was saying and, and thinking about our community first when approaching media. So I would love to see our communities more represented and not just our attendees, but in the panels as well. I, I hate to keep... Um excuse me, I hate to keep uh, dovetailing right off of YouTube, but I think you both hit it on the head really well. Um, transportation, certainly, um, you know, we, we had some panelists kind of outright trashing BART, you know, and we, you know, we need, we need BART there to tell us about BART, you know, and we need BART to come and defend its projects and VTA in their work with BART coming through downtown San Jose. There was a lot of concerns raised about the, the tearing up of the street and how that might affect the economy. Um, so I think, you know, without going too much further on that, I think transportation is ripe for exploration. I think housing a little bit more intentionally, like we talked about housing in almost every panel in one way or another, because it is such a critical element. So I think we need to have some really frank conversations. And I think that would be a great spot for uh, some of these panelists and, and panel potentials that Ali's talking about, cultural and community advocacy groups, uh, people who are deeply connected to the variety, to the melange of of, uh, of cultures and, and backgrounds and, uh, you know, socioeconomic statuses of all the people of San Jose that we sometimes as journalists go to as, as like a connecting link, but we, we need them to, to speak to broader audiences at all times and we can help provide that. That would be great, right? If we can provide a little bit more of a platform uh, in a different format for people to have these in-person conversations um, about serious topics. And then lastly, I just think, uh, Nick, your education panel with several superintendents, uh, especially from the east side, but also Santa Clara County as a whole, was really great. Um, I learned a lot in that one. I learned a lot. Um, and I thought uh, I learned a lot directly from superintendents who I think when you get them in a room together, they kind of loosen up a little bit, right? These are the heads of these districts. They're very important roles. Um, but I think that when they feel the community is listening, I think they will speak candidly. And, and we heard that um, about funding, about disparities, about the way the East Side is considered. Uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing probably poorly here, but obviously East Side only compared to the other districts in San Jose that are more moneyed and more wealthy and more resourced and have better performing students and stuff because they've had advantages for many, many years. So I think taking that education thing a bit further, right? First of all, I want to see more discussion around that. I also think higher education would be great. Uh, we talked in a couple of our panels about how San Jose State University is such a life force for the city of San Jose. It's integrated into downtown. The students flood the area. The the, the people that it produces, the, the work that that uh, university um, puts forth every year in a variety of areas really does help kind of churn the city and keep things moving uh, ahead, I think. So I'd love to see maybe just a discussion about all the ways that San Jose State and the city are intricately linked um, and, you know, how they are contributing to each other, perhaps, um, and what more could be done to maybe solve social issues. Because having a university downtown such a cool thing. Not everyone has that. Some universities are up on a hill. Some are out in a dusty field. Some have their labs out, you know, near the tide pools, which is great, but you can't get to the people easily. So I think uh, San Jose State really is uh, a resource and probably should be um, highlighted a little bit. I would also like to see um, a panel on our law enforcement. So I know Joseph actually our senior reporter here hosted a really great panel a few months ago that brought together some leaders within law enforcement, also community leaders that uh, work to 
watch out for co- police accountability and also work on behalf of community members that have maybe n- need extra healing when it comes to rebuilding relationships with law enforcement. But I think a, a really great deeper dive, potentially even bringing together um council members, a mayor, along with law enforcement, because they so much intersect as far as staffing, as far as recruitment, as far as just safety elements. I think a really robust panel, even just generally on safety and law enforcement would be really interesting because even we so much in our newsroom and in our articles point to safety concerns, to blight, to to other aspects as a reason that maybe leads to San Jose lacking a, a lot of new life or consistency in visitors. So maybe it's just looking at a safety panel and really bringing in different perspectives on how we continue to address both community concerns as far as safety, but also heal communities that that have that distrust still, that have been harmed in different ways from different encounters or just, you know, some internalized racism issues. So I, th- I think a wider discussion on that going off of what Joseph did a few months ago, which was a really great panel, but to continue opening up those discussions, I think would also just continue to show that we're working with concerns in our community as well when it comes to safety and law enforcement. Absolutely. And, you know, just to just to end here on this, too, I think maybe something else to consider is one on uh, gun violence or gun violence prevention that came up in a couple panels. I know for education, that was something that I asked Superintendent of Schools, Marianne Dewan. I believe, Allie, in the congressional report, I think it came up as well. Um, And I think given, you know, San Jose was the site of the VTA mass shooting in 2021, which our newsroom covered uh, quite extensively, you know, I, I definitely think that there's something to be said there. Just all ideas. I mean, we have a lot of time to figure this out. We've got a whole year to figure out the next one. So I'm sure that we'll, we'll get it all nailed out by then. Uh, well, Allie and Joseph, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk with me about Politibeat. Thank you so much, Nick. It was great. Yes. Thanks, Nick. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.